Amen. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Bless you for today. And we pray now, God, that everything that we do and everything that we say, that it will be pleasing in your sight, that it will help your people to fulfill their potential in you. Help us to be more than just hearers of your word, God. Help us to be doers as well. We ask these blessings now. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine if Mahalia Jackson never sang. If Althea Gibson or the Williams sisters never picked up a tennis racket. How different would the world be if Marian Anderson never sang or the Nicholas brothers never danced? If Michael Jordan never picked up a basketball, if Tiger Woods never picked up a golf club? I submit to you that the world has changed and I think all of us would agree for the better having been exposed to those gifts, those skills, those talents, those abilities. But my brothers and sisters, I want you to the world know the world is not near as blessed as it could be. As a matter of fact, I submit to you today that the world would be much better off if you and if I made a commitment to exercise the skills, gifts, talents, and abilities that God has deposited in us. And the reason I would argue that the world would be better off with you exercising your gifts than arguably Michael Jordan ever picking up a basketball or Tiger Woods ever picking up a golf club is because while their gifts and abilities have changed and impacted time, you using your gifts and abilities for the sake of the kingdom of God will impact both time and eternity. That if you use all that God has deposited within you, the use of your gifts, your skills, and your abilities will have eternal ramifications. See, I submit to you, there's nobody in heaven today because Michael Jordan played basketball. There's nobody who is going to be lifting up their hands in glory for eternity because Earl Campbell ran football. But when you use your gifts and your talents and your ability, you have the opportunity to change somebody's eternal destiny. And the truth of the matter is, the overwhelming majority of us are living far below our potential. Most of us are living at a place of inactivity, mediocrity, and a failure to apply ourselves is evident in your life. You are not where you would be if you applied yourself totally and wholeheartedly to what it is before you. And it's true when it comes to our failure to use what God has deposited within us. Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought how to make the best use of your talents how to make the best use of your talents. Last week, as we have been walking through our T-Cubed 147 series, we talked about how to make the best use of your time. 
Today, I want to focus on that second aspect of our challenge, how to make the best use of your talents. Our foundational passage is the parable of the talents, and I want to take some license, not in the interpretation of the passage, but in the application of the passage to help you understand that when we talk about talents, we are talking about that which God has given to you, that which he has deposited in you, that which he is allowing to be, be developed within you. And so more than just a spiritual gift that is identified post your salvation experience, I want to look at your experiences. I want you to look at your talents. I want you to look at your skills. So, for example, you may have a skill to cook. There's no such thing as a spiritual gift of cooking. Even though you may make some folks shout in the spirit when you cook. But there is a way that you can use your gift, that you can use that skill, that you can use that ability for the good and growth of others and to the glory of God. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? amen. If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Three things I want you to see today around this idea of how to make the best use of your talents. Here's the first thing. Number one. Recognize God has blessed you with talents, gifts, and skills. Recognize God has blessed you with talents, gifts, and skills. Now, this parable gives an earthly story to communicate a spiritual truth. And this spiritual truth is a truth that Jesus wants his disciples to understand and those who are eavesdropping and wants you and I to understand, even though we are listening to this conversation over 2,000 years later. Matthew 25, beginning at verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. The word talent there speaks to a weight, and typically it's a weight of something with a value. Something that is valuable, something that is worth something. And the Bible says this master comes, calls his servants, and he gives to them each talents depending on, look at the end of verse 15, according to their own ability. He did not put limitations on them in terms of their potential. But he did assess their ability to manage what he had given them and said here is a talent or talents Based on what I have perceived, now let's see if you can grow or do better with what I bless you with. You know, sometimes people don't do what they can do with what they have because they're busy looking at what somebody else has. Right? Or we overvalue what somebody else has and undervalue what we have. 
And so I don't do the best I can with what I have because I'm busy looking at and really hating on what somebody else been blessed with. You know, if I had your hand, I'd throw my hand in instead of just learning how to play the hand you have. Right? We look at other people. We overvalue what they have and undervalue what God has blessed us with. And I submit to you that there are some of you who are sitting in here right now, if not you, the person next to you, who is not doing all they can with what God has blessed them with, because when they look at what they see themselves having, they think what they have is a little in comparison to what somebody else has. See, if you can't sing like the greatest star, then you don't want to sing at all. Right? Or if it doesn't come easy to you, then you're ready to quit without putting the work in. And God wants you to recognize that you have been given gifts, talents, skills, abilities, and God wants you to use them in order to bring growth to others and glory to his name. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Uh, That word gift speaks to a free gift that is given, and really it is an expression of the grace of God. One of the things that you have to understand is that when God blesses you, when God gives to you a gift, it is a grace gift. In other words, whatever gift you have, whatever skill you have, whatever ability God has blessed you to develop, it's not for you, and it doesn't speak to you being better than somebody. It really speaks to you receiving an extra amount of the grace of God in your life. Whatever I am blessed to do, it is really an evidence of the grace of God in my life. Don't take it too seriously, Cofield. Why? Because it is a grace gift. I didn't deserve it when I got it. I don't deserve it now. And the grace of God was never given for my personal gain. It is so I can be used by God to be a blessing to somebody else. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Let's read it together. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. I want you to underline that phrase, let us use them. Use the gift that God has given to you. Stop sitting on the seat of do nothing, talking about I wish I had more. God says, why would I give you more when you're not using what you already had? You want the voice of a platinum artist and you won't sing in the choir. God says, why would I bless you with more when you're not using what I've already given to you? Here's the second thing. Number two, you must choose to do all you can with the talent, gifts, skills, and abilities God has given you. You must choose to do all you can with the talent, gift, skills, and abilities God has given you. I want you to circle that word choose. I know you filled it in, but circle it, highlight it. 
Life is nothing more than the sum total of the choices you make. You may not choose where you are, but you have the power to choose whether or not that's where you stay. And the text shows us the power of choosing, the power of a choice. Look at verse 16. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Present ability did not speak to their potential. What they had was in their hands. But the potential was up to them to try to glean, to grab hold of, to acquire, to achieve. But they had to make the choice. Listen to me carefully. Every one of you in here has at least one spiritual gift. And I guarantee you, I bet you every one of you has at least one talent, one skill, one ability that can add to the sake of the kingdom. The question is, what is it? And if you're sitting here listening right now, you're saying, you know what, Pastor, I don't know what my gift is. How can I find out what my gift is? How can I find out what my ability is? I'm glad you asked. It's called 301. It's called shape. Write this down somewhere because I'm going to help somebody. We're going to set you free. We're going to set you free from the ignorance of what your gift is, what your ability is, what your skill is, where God has designed you to serve. Shape, S-H-A-P-E. It's an acronym. S stands for spiritual gifts. Help you identify what that spiritual gift is that the Holy Spirit has deposited within you. H speaks to heart. Heart. When we say heart, we're trying to identify your passion. Typically, we serve out of one of two places in our life, our pain or our passion. And many times, our pain is the fuel for our passion. So that when we look back at what we have come through, that becomes the passion for what we are going to do. A, abilities. What are those abilities that God has deposited in you? What are those abilities that God has allowed you to develop? For example, one of our brothers in the church came to me last week. He said, Pastor, he said, you know what? He said, man, I appreciate the message so much. He said, I want to use what I do for work to benefit the church. And I said, well, what do you do? And he said, well, I'm an urban planner. That's what I do professionally. And we work with cities and we work with governmental entities And I would love to come in and lead the church in a strategic planning process for how we can impact and change the neighborhood. Man, I want to start crying. I want, I I, I was like, oh my God. I said, brother, you don't understand. My expertise is in church revitalization. But for me, the piece that I have to get now is how do we move from revitalizing a church to a revitalized church revitalizing a community? How do we take responsibility for our neighborhood? How do we facilitate the changes that need to be made and walk through the landmine of politics and walk through the landmine of education? How do we walk through these landmines so that we can make an impact in people's lives? 
What abilities do you have that you're sitting on? And you're trying to figure out, well, how can I use it? The P in shape stands for personality. Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? For example, if you're an introvert and you don't like talking, we don't want you to be a greeter. Right? It just doesn't make sense. You don't talk. You don't really like people a whole lot. We don't need you out front greeting, right? We don't need you out front welcoming people to the church. You know what I mean? And the E stands for experiences. Experiences. Your vocational experiences. In terms of your job experiences. Uh, Your painful experiences your spiritual experiences. What experiences have you gone through and had in your life? Because God wants to take them all and use them for the sake of the kingdom. Two of the servants were faithful and diligent. One of the servants chose not to be. So here's the question I ask you. Will you choose to be faithful and diligent? Or will you choose to be lazy? Will you use what God has gifted you with for the sake of the kingdom? Or will you continue to sit on the seat of do nothing? Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. That word neglect literally means to pay no attention to, to disregard, to ignore, to make light of, to treat as insignificant. Paul says when you neglect the gift that God has placed in you, you are treating it like it is insignificant. And God says, I have deposited gifts in you to make a kingdom difference. Look at 1 Corinthians 2, 4. Let's read it together. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, can I tell you something? If you are not using your gifts, your skills, your abilities, your talents, for the sake of the kingdom, then you will never be able to fully access the power of God in your life. Because watch this. If you're not doing God's work, God is not going to waste his power. And there's somebody in here who may be thinking and saying to yourself, you know what? As soon as God gives me the power, I'm going to do the work. And God says, no, you got to do the work in order to see the power manifest itself. God does not waste power on people who are sitting. His power is available to those who serve. And you will see your faith rewarded. You will see the blessings of God flow in your life when you allow the Lord to use you to help others. Now, notice what the third servant did. He was given one talent, but he did not use the talent to the glory of God. He did not use the talent to the glory of his master. He hid it. 
which leads us to the third thing. Here's the third thing. Number three, you need to realize life will, your life will be blessed based on what you do with what God has given to you. Your life will be blessed based on what you do with what God has given to you. Verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he had, he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Listen, I haven't been saved all my life. Um, I really didn't grow up in church, right? I gave my life to the Lord at the end of my senior year in high school. And I can remember going to church and hearing these deacons praying, and this was part of their prayer script, right? When they would get to the end of the prayer, they would say, now, Lord, we want to hear you when we come to the end of our journey and stick our sword in the sands of time and study war no more. We want to hear you say, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Come on up and we'll make you ruler over many. What they fail to fully communicate is this is a conditional. This is a conditional statement, right? You hear the well done when you've been doing. There's no well done to be heard if you haven't been doing what God has called you to do. Everybody wants to hear well done, but everybody's not committed to doing what they have been called and prepared to do. He says, well done, good and faithful servant, right? That, that word good speaks to character, speaks to who you are, and who you are is reflected in what you do, right? You've heard the saying, when people show you who they are, believe them. Right? And that's true, good or bad, right? God says we should be able to see who you are in terms of your character by your conduct. Faithfulness speaks to being trustworthy. Not just a person who believes in Christ, but a person who is committed to Christ, committed to living the way God wants us to live. Character is the foundation of your conduct. Conduct shows where your character really is. Each servant had an equal opportunity to hear the well done, but each servant did not choose that path. That last one, the Bible says, heard the phrase of the master, you wicked and lazy servant. Now, now, now here's what's interesting. When you read Matthew 25 and you read down through verse 30, here's what's interesting. When the wicked and lazy servant comes back to his master, he blames the master for why he didn't do more with the one he got. He says, well, I know you're a hard man. And I know if I had lost this one, boy, you were going to be mad at me. So I decided just to hold on to it. In other words, it's your fault I didn't do anything with what I've been blessed with. Now, let me put a cord in the meter and park right here. 
Because here's the truth that many of us don't want to face. There are many of you in here who are doing nothing with the gifts and talents and abilities and skills that God has given you and God has allowed you to develop because you're blaming somebody else. You're blaming somebody else. Because your mama said, or your daddy said, or your daddy didn't say, or your mama didn't say, or maybe your brothers and sisters, whoever it is, you find somebody else to blame for why you're not doing all that God has equipped you and God has gifted you to do. Maybe it's that negativity that's playing back in your, in your head and in your spirit that you'll never amount to anything. You'll never do anything. And so even though that was planted years ago, for some of you decades ago, you are still living off of that false narrative. Um, I was listening to uh, Steve Harvey the other day, and Steve Harvey was talking about when he was in elementary school, and they asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Steve Harvey said he wanted to be on television. And if you know anything about his story, you know he grew up with a really, really bad speech impediment. And he told the teacher that he wanted to be on television. And the teacher laughed and told him, you'll never be on television. You'll never be on television. Pick something more realistic, Steve. You'll never be on television. And everybody laughed. And he said, now, he says, every Christmas, he sends that third grade teacher a new television. And what I'm trying to get you to see today is don't allow somebody else's negativity to keep you from fulfilling your potential in life. Let God's word guide you, not somebody else's negative words. Let God's word set you free. Don't be continually handcuffed by somebody else's negativity. Don't allow somebody saying you can't to keep you from doing what God has equipped you to do. And guess what? If somebody else doesn't see it, then find some place where somebody does see it. Don't waste your time trying to convince somebody to see something they can't see. You know, when somebody says, I don't see it. Well, why do you keep on trying to get somebody to see something they can't see? If they can't see it, then move on to somebody who can see it. One of the greatest sins that we can commit with the gifts that God has given us is the sin of inactivity. When we do nothing with what God has blessed us with, that is one of the greatest tragedies in life. Romans 14, 12 says, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. You have to stand up for yourself. And when God says, why haven't you done this? Why didn't you do this? You can stand up there before God talking about, well, you know, my mama said. And you know, my daddy wasn't around or he was around and he was no good. You can say all of that stuff you want to say. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to take responsibility for what you have done and not done with your life. And so God says, I want you to be faithful. Faithful for what you have been blessed with. 
Whether you do a little or a lot, do something, but be faithful. I don't know how many talents are represented in this room. I don't know how many gifts, skills, and abilities are represented by those who are listening right now. But here's what I will say. We could be so much better and do so much more if every talent, every gift, every skill, and every ability in this room was unleashed and turned loose to the glory of God. Let's go to that last phrase, the formula for being great for God. The formula for being great for God, here it is. Using all God has given you plus doing all God has commanded you equals being great for God. Using all God has given you, time, talent, treasure, temple, testimony, Gifts, skills, abilities. Using all God has given you and doing all God has commanded you. What has he commanded you to do? God says, whatever it is I've commanded you to do, do it. And when you use all I have given you and you do all I have commanded you, you can be great for God. So, arguably, greatest wide receiver in the National Football League history is Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, graduate from Mississippi Valley State, HBCU, wasn't drafted with first-round fanfare. As a matter of fact, when he was drafted, people kind of looked and then did a second look and was like, what would the San Francisco 49ers think about? What, would they, what was on their mind? I mean, he was a good receiver, but he played against inferior competition. And Jerry Rice, with the talent that he had, was arguably the hardest worker in that camp. They said Jerry Rice, I mean, outworked everybody. Outworked everybody on the team, outworked everybody on the league. I mean, he was just... They talked about his off-season workouts were like unbelievable. And Jerry Rice left everything on the field, gave everything he had to be the best he could be. They asked Chris Carter, who's a Hall of Fame wide receiver, to describe the difference between Jerry Rice and Randy Moss. Randy Moss Arguably the most talented wide receiver ever. But Jerry Rice, the hardest working wide receiver ever. And they asked Chris Carter, said, well, what's the difference between Jerry and Randy? He said, well, he said, Chris gave, ev- he, said, he said, Jerry gave everything he had on the field. Gave everything. He said, Randy Moss. He gave, but if Randy had a conversation with God, it would go something like this. God, I'm going to give you enough to be great, but I'm going to keep a little back for myself. And here's what Chris said. If Randy gave 
all that he had, like Jerry gave all that he had, Randy would have been the greatest receiver of all time and not Jerry Rice. The difference wasn't in the talent. The difference was in the commitment. How much better would you be if you made a greater commitment to God of what God has blessed you with? Don't look at anybody else and say, boy, if I, if, 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 woo, if I just had, a, no, use what you have to do what you can. And then watch God bless your life in a special way. Father, we thank you and bless you for today. And I pray now, God, that everything that has been done and everything that has been said has been pleasing in your sight. God, I pray that as we examine ourselves, somebody would look in the mirror and see talent, skills, abilities, and gifts that they have been sitting on, that they have only activated in, in, in a small way. God, I pray that we would make a commitment today, not just as a congregation, but individually, to say, God, we are going to give you our best. We're going to leave it all on the field. We don't want to show up to glory, God, and hear you say, if you had just given me your all, you would have, you could have seen me do great things in your life. Help us to leave it all on the field, God, and give you our best. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.